you may have realized that being healthy feels different than it did in the past now that you're over 50. If you want to maximize your health potential but don't have time to read through overwhelming pages of Google links, this is the show for you. Welcome to Healthy Tips After 50. We love doing the research, finding solutions, talking to health experts, and learning what works and what doesn't. Now, your host. She spent the last 25 years dedicated to feeling her best and is here to share her best findings with you, Susan Rosen. Hello, this is your host, Susan Rosen. And today's podcast is going to be about overeating and the brain. I read a really interesting article along with a couple of other associated bits of information that I wanted to talk to you about today. So it is sort of common knowledge, if you want to call it that, or some common agreement that overeating and getting fat has to do with a lack of willpower. And I thought it was interesting that this article that I was reading is actually kind of a roundup of a bunch of different studies that have been done starting actually back in 2014, I think. I had no idea. It's very interesting because what the researchers are coming up with, what the scientists are finding, is that it's not a matter of willpower that it has more to do with actually the connection with your nervous system and the actions of the nervous system. What they are finding is that the food cues that your brain gets have a lot to do with, let's see, there's a, a bunch of different things. And it has less to do with the amount of calories. Um, it also has to do with when you're looking at these things, the kind of brain reactions that you're getting. And it was really amazing, actually, that in one of them... In one of the studies, this was actually from 2015 that was published in the Journal of Neuroscience. And they said that a lot of the neurochemical reward pathways that go along with obesity actually have more in common with those involved in opioid addiction than with other addictions. Because what they were looking at and what a lot of them looking at is looking to see whether obesity and food overeating is actually more of an addiction than it is a matter of willpower. So in this particular one, um, some Finnish researchers looked at some obese women, 13 obese women, and they compared them with 14 non-obese women. And they found that the obese women had significantly lower availability of, I guess it's mu opioid receptors. 
So these are ones that are activated by op opioids such as morphine, but no differences in the availability of dopamine receptors, which the dopamine receptors are usually more associated with addictive behavior. And so they were finding that it, it wasn't it wasn't having the same kind of effect. And then it seems that there's another, there was another thing, another research study that was done at the Oregon Research Institute. And they used brain imaging to look at the activity of a particular region of the brain that releases dopamine. So that's what we were just talking about in the other study which has been called the, quote, pleasure chemical, unquote. And they were looking at that region in response to eating. So they had um, a milkshake. Oh, no, that's another one. Okay. So all of these studies in here. This one actually had, no, I guess they just threw that in there like that. Okay. So they, in some of these other studies, there was another one in the Journal of American Medical Association Psychiatry in 2011. That's even older. They looked at 48 women, young women, who enrolled in a weight loss program and they were categorized according to their level of, quote, food addiction, unquote, that they decided on that um, having to do with their responses on a standard test. Then they showed them a chocolate milkshake. And at the same time, they were monitoring their brains with functional MRI. And in the brain scans, they found that the regions associated with both anticipation of reward and motivation to eat lit up more dramatically in the women with higher food addiction scores on those standardized tests than in those with lower scores. So that, again, showed a connection with addiction as opposed to, oh, just use your willpower and don't eat. Well, that's, I think what they're trying to say is that that is not exactly the same thing. These, these people are physically addicted to the foods and should be treated the same way as you would treat an addiction to anything else, whether it's alcohol or drugs. And I think that there are some, <clears throat> actually are some uh, programs to help people to learn how to eat and to, to break that addiction. I don't know of any names to send anybody to or anything like that, but I know that there are some out there and you can probably research it and find them. Okay, so what else is here? They have, um, it's interesting, they said 
Yeah, and here it's similar to what I just said, that the good news is that the same body of research is suggesting new approaches to weight loss that could help a person in their vulnerability to the, just the cues, that's C-U-E-S, involved in overeating and, and therefore help them to increase their ability to control the reactions that they have to food. Because what they're finding again is that it's pretty much all, a, it's all in the brain. And that's the game plan that has to be changed. So they were saying that, <clears throat> excuse me, that researchers have made considerable progress in looking into effective weight loss strategies and saying that the traditional advice, right, which is count calories and avoid sugary and high fat foods is much harder to follow for some people. And I understand that. I mean, I lost a lot of weight and I did that by counting calories. It was a long, long time ago, but I lost about 35 pounds. And for me, it, that, that's what worked. And that's the way that I took the weight off. But I'm sure that there are a lot of other people who it's not going to work for. So this is great. I think it's really interesting that they are learning more and more and more about all of this. And I, the last study I was going to mention is that there's one in, from Drexel University that was published in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition in 2018 that involved removing all of one's trigger foods from your home environment and at the same time make lifestyle adjustments to avoid situations where temptation is unavoidable. So, you know, don't go to bake sales. Don't, don't let the brownies or the Girl Scouts in with their cookies. You know, it's that, it's that sort of thing. Be smart about some of these things. So, um, and it is really interesting that those Finnish scientists who, <clears throat> excuse me, who identified the opioid connection have also suggested that the same treatment options be used that are used for opioid addiction to people who are obese. So again, learning to use this information in order to help people. They're also, interestingly enough, um, they're looking at the use of electrical stimulation of deep brain structures, very similar to the same kinds of things that they're using for Parkinson's disease and depression. It's just amazing how so many of these things are all kind of coming together. I think it's so just completely exciting. What I did think that I would do is to throw in a few things that they do have in here 
as well some suggestions for ways of what they call taming food temptations. Um, some of these are more of the typical, usual things that people say. And some of these, I think, have are a little bit of a reaction to some of this research that's coming out. But I thought I would give them to you anyways. <clears throat> Excuse me. One of them is to get more sleep, which I thought was interesting. It makes a lot of sense, though, because it says that there have been a lot of links shown between sleep deprivation and certain brain activations, and it could also be connected with possible weight gain, and they found that in a 2012 study. And what they did was they presented images of food to a group of people who had slept adequately. And another group had undergone sleep deprivation. And they found that the sleep-deprived group actually showed more activation in the brain regions that were associated with appetite and the impulse to eat. And then there's been another study that was published just this year in 2019 that found that the desire for junk foods in young men of healthy weight increased the morning after a single night of sleep deprivation. And that was compared, they compared it with when they got their regular amount of sleep. And it was not, <clears throat> excuse me, and that it, course, oh, I see, it corresponded with increased activity in the circuit in the brain that's around the hypothalamus and the amygdala. I'm sure that doesn't necessarily mean a lot to everybody. Doesn't really mean all that much to me. I'd have to get my, my brain picture out to see and, and see what that has more to do with. But they also, um, in a, a different study, found that as opposed to the normal thinking, we all think that if you exercise, you're going to boost your appetite because you're going to want more calories. You're going to want to eat more. Well, it turns out that when you exercise more, that the brain scans actually show an increased response to healthy food. So people want to eat more healthy food when they exercise, particularly heavy exercise, high intensity. So that's kind of interesting. Um, and they found that the exercise also lowered the concentration of ghrelin, which is the hormone that regulates your appetite. Um, and they also found that it, all, it, it raised the levels of a gut hormone peptide, which is the um, peptide that leads us to feel like we're satisfied and we're full, which typically is when most people will stop eating. Um, they also talked about how if you eat slowly and chew your food well, that you probably will feel full on less food, and that's because it takes 
you probably heard this before, it takes about 20 minutes for those signals to get to the brain after you start to eat. So therefore what happens is slow eaters tend to consume less because that little switch goes off and they feel full and they stop eating. So that's kind of a, a simple one that if you're just trying to lose some weight, that that's a really easy one that you can do to lower the amount of calories and food that you're eating. Okay, well, that's that's all for me for today on your brain and eating more or eating less. I hope you found it interesting. <clears throat> Excuse me. I know that I did. Um, I always find that interesting. Again, like I said, I, I lost a lot of weight many years ago. And so I always try and watch to see what the latest is on, on what the scientists and researchers are coming up with. <clears throat> Excuse me. I also thought that this would be a good subject to be doing before we head into Christmas and New Year's. Um, I know that I miss Thanksgiving with it, but that's okay. Now that you overindulged, which I'm sure we all did, now you can um, do a more normal indulging for your Christmas or Hanukkah and New Year's um, celebrations and dinners. That's going to be it for today. As usual, let me say that I'm not a doctor and this is not to be construed as medical advice. I'm just sharing the good knowledge that's out there and you can use it or not as it works for you. Okay, that's it for me. I will be back next week and I look forward to talking to you all then. This has been Healthy Tips After 50 with Susan Rosen. To stay on the cutting edge of the most effective health strategies, subscribe to this podcast and let us know what you thought of the show with a comment or like on iTunes. Visit HealthyTipsAfter50.com for this episode's show notes, more resources, and free offers.